0: Hello and welcome to episode number 460 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell, and thank you for inviting me into your eardrums. Today, my guest is author and actor, Preslaysa Williams. She has a new book out, A Low Country Bride, which you may have seen on the site, and she calls this book A Love Letter to Charleston. We are going to talk about so many different things, including the process of writing this book over the past 10 years, and because she was a child actor... The Weirdness of Seeing Your Younger Self in Animated GIFs on the Internet. I imagine that's very weird. Now, if you are a sympathy crier like I am, hi, heads up, Press Laysa gets a little choked up at one point in this interview. Nothing bad, but if you're a sympathy crier and you're driving, I want you to be safe. So be aware that about mm, 20 to 22 minutes in, she gets a little choked up when she talks about giving advice to her younger self. I will have links to all of the books and all of the places you can find Press Laysa Williams and her work. And the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com podcast. And if you are reading this episode, that is due to our Patreon community who makes sure that every episode is accessible and transcribed by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. If you support the work we do or you enjoy the show or would like to help us make everything as accessible as possible each week have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges start at $1 a month, and our Patreon community is filled with some lovely, lovely human beings. This podcast is brought to you in part by Prose. Amanda and I have talked several times on the podcast, on Stereo, on our Twitch streams, about caring for curly and wavy hair. And as I've mentioned in the quarantine times, my hair grew in wavy, which has never before happened in my entire life. Rose arrived at the perfect time. Prose is perfect for encouraging my hair to do these magical things that I didn't know it did, because Prose creates custom shampoo and conditioners based on your personal hair analysis and their algorithm. If you love a quiz, heads up, Prose's online quiz dives into every conceivable factor that affects your hair health, including your environment, like, you know, humidity. Got some of that. The quiz also takes into account what I want my hair to be, shiny, curly, wavy, less frizz, There's no one-size-fits-all with pros. They want to customize shampoo and conditioner for each person. Their algorithm personalizes over 50 billion formula combinations and they come up with a unique blend of ingredients and products that address my exact concerns. In my case, I wanted to take better care of my hair and help it do its wavy thing as much as possible. Not only do you get to choose the scent you want, which was one of my favorite parts, But the shampoo and conditioner work brilliantly. My hair is more wavy every time I condition it. I love the hair mask that goes on before I shampoo. And my hair is incredibly soft and much less frizzy. I also cannot tell you how much I love the scent. I love it so much. It smells incredible. If you and your quarantine's hair are on a journey and you want to try Prose, I have a coupon. And if you're not 100% positive that Prose is the best hair care you've had, they'll take the products back. No questions asked. Prose is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take the free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash Trashy that's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Trashy for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. This podcast is also brought to you by Ritual, a vegan-friendly multivitamin delivered to your door that's formulated with high-quality nutrients and bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. I like knowing what's in my vitamins. I like knowing what's not in my vitamins. And I know that Ritual does not contain sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants. I also like knowing the supply chain of each ingredient, which is not a thing I had thought much about before, but I appreciate knowing it's right on the label and it's in the packaging. Some of the ingredients were also developed to be vegan friendly and the process is really cool. I like that it doesn't make me feel nauseated. And as soon as I finish a new bottle, a new one arrives! Like magic! I can start and snooze or cancel my subscription at any time. Now available for women, men, and teens, Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. You can get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com Sarah to start your ritual today. I have one more thing to tell you about, and that is Headspace. If you have tried meditation before and you felt like this did not work, or maybe you felt like you were doing it wrong, I've had that feeling, have a look at Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need help falling asleep? Yes, Headspace has wind down sessions that their members swear by. Amanda particularly likes those. And for parents, Headspace has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well being. Since I started using Headspace, my day goes a little easier when I start it with meditation. And I've meditated nearly every day for close to 200 days. I sleep better too. It's kind of amazing. Sometimes the daily meditation is exactly what I needed to think about that day. And I use the techniques to help clear my head, relax my shoulders down away from my ears and reduce my feelings of overwhelming anxiety. It's marvelously helpful in tiny little portions every day. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to Headspace.com/slash Sarah. That's Headspace.com Sarah for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com Sarah today. I had a wonderful time talking with Press Laysa and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's get to it, shall we? On with the podcast.
1: My name is Press Laysa Williams. I um, am an author. I write contemporary romance and uh, women's fiction. I am a homeschool mother. I've been homeschooling pre-quarantine, and that's just become a regular part of my life. I'm an actor. I've been acting since I was a child, but I did take off um, during the motherhood stages, and and I'm not doing it as heavily as I did when I was in my teens and 20s, but I, I do act and I go on auditions on occasion. I do laundry. I do, sometimes I do dishes. I don't cook. I don't (laughs) Just basically just writer, actor, mom.
0: So let's start with your book. Congratulations on A Low Country
1: Bride. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about it. You must be extremely excited. What will readers find? Hmm, What will you find in this book? Readers will find A Love Letter to Charleston. That's what I, what I like to call it. A Love Letter to Charleston. Um, it's a, a sweet romance about a bridal gown designer and a man who owns a bridal shop. He inherited it from his uh, deceased mother. He suffered a lot of loss in his life in the past. He's trying to figure out, you know, should he let himself love again? Um, is that even possible to love again after, after everything that he's been through? I'm trying not to get too much away, but after everything he's been through, that's like a running question in the back of his mind. And for my heroine, Maya, the question that she has to ask herself is, is she going to allow herself to love again, um, or to love, um, given the constraints on her life? I love the book. I love Charleston. Um, the reason why I chose, I chose that, that location is because I lived in Charleston for many years um, in my early 20s and I just fell in love with the people and the place and I still go back there today. I haven't gone back during um, the pandemic, but I still visit my friends and, and all of that still, still to this day. And I just fell in love with it. I went to grad school there and my husband was stationed there in the military. And that was the place where I I came into my own as, a, as an adult, I say. I became an adult um, in Charleston. And um, I just fell in love with it. And then the, the more I studied it and the more I learned about the history and everything, I just was like, I have to write love stories set in this place because I love it so much. <laughs>
0: And you captured some of the very particular elements of Charleston about how even a a town that is not a super large city, it's not a super large place. It still has Mm -hmm. very specific and intimate neighborhoods connected to the history of of the town. It's it's wonderful how much that influences even today. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even today. Um, the, the, the particular pieces of history that really, um, captured me was the, um, black history in Charleston. Um, and I kind of weave that in, even though this is a contemporary romance, I kind of weave that in a little bit, um, in the story. The port of Charleston was one of the places where, um, the majority of African enslaved African people came through into the, into North America. They say about 40, maybe 40 percent, Um, approximately of the enslaved Africans came through the port of Charleston during the transatlantic slave trade. And so I do have my, even my contemporary characters thinking about that in their mind during the course of the story.
0: And in a place like Charleston, the past is so much a part of the present. Yes. You you can't be like, except for this part over here, we're not going to talk about that part of it. No, it's all, it all has to be in the present. If only part of it is, then all of it is, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so like a lot of times when people think of Charleston, especially tourists, they think of the beauty and the idyllic, you know, settings. And that's something that I capture in this book, because um, that's just the type of book that I love to to read and write. But I can't, like you said, Sarah, I can't ignore the history. And I, I noticed that when people do talk about it or write about the place, they 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 kind of ignore it or they just focus on one aspect and they blend together. The sweet and the bittersweet yep. um, come together. And I I hope that I'm able to meld the two because that's, that's how our life is. Now, I noticed in the acknowledgements, and if you've ever
0: wondered who reads the acknowledgements of your book, it is me. I love author's <laughs> notes. I love acknowledgements because it's the part where you as the writer get to talk to the reader about the book instead of just telling the story, you get to talk about the story itself. And I noticed you started this book in 2010. Yeah. Holy cow. How did this story evolve over 10 years? It must be such an overwhelming feeling to know that after 10 years, it's going to be out in the world.
1: Yeah, it is. So um, yeah, just even thinking about that, it's that it will be out in the world after I've held it so close to me for so long is is really like overwhelming and in a great way. How did this story evolve over 10 years? Oh, my goodness. When I originally wrote the book, I did not have black main characters in the story. Oh. That is the first thing it was not an own voices book. Um, The characters, the main characters were white. During my course of growth as a person, coming into my own and accepting myself, my own identity um, as a Black and Filipino person, the story started to change and evolve. The core of the story is, remains the same. It is a love story um, about a bridal gown designer and a single dad who's former military and they meet and fall in love. I changed the, the identity or the ethnic identity of the main characters around 2018, 2019, because that was when I was really starting to think about you know my place in America as a Black woman, as a Filipino woman. Um, What does that mean? And just for my own experiences with um, discrimination, I really was forced to like, just say, you know, how do I want to live the rest of my life, knowing that there are these structural constraints around my identity, but I am still, you know, a human being and a person and I have dreams, but how do I live moving forward in a land in a country that that historically has been very cruel to my ancestors. And we see that even today. The only way that I could do that was to embrace all of me. And so I changed the story. I changed their ethnic identity. And I made Maya, um, Black and Filipino like me, and Derek, African-American. And then because of that, and because of the history of Charleston, then there's all these other themes that came in. Her journey kind of parallels mine in a lot of ways after I changed her identity because she she has a certain design style for her dresses, but it's not mainstream and it's not um, accepted by the mainstream or the mainstream bridal gown industry. So she has that struggle, too. And basically, her struggle mirrors my, my own and the one that I went through. As the writer, and so that's why I put it in. So that's how it evolved from 2010 to like 2019, 18. When I when I changed it,
0: when you changed Maya's identity, did you feel like you knew her better because she you could relate to her background because it was your background? Did you feel like you knew her better once you made that change?
1: Yes, I did um, feel like I knew her better. Um, I felt like I could write her better because, like, I could put her in situations where I would just think. You know, she'd be in these tough situations like with her boss and I could go through everything that I would think through mm-hmm. if I was in that same situation and I could just write it. So it flowed so much, so much more easier for me.
0: It was such an interesting choice for me as as the reader to have Maya be a bridal dress designer for a number of reasons. One, I mean, obviously there's so much meaning and import packed into the decision of what you wear at your wedding It becomes a very heavy symbol literally heavy there's a lot of fabric involved but yeah. also wedding dresses are really white really yeah. really really white and maya is like hold on why don't we try it this way and she brings in so many different color elements of cultural backgrounds that she brings to this design and her her character comes to sort of represent this balance and celebration of a lot of different cultures and history on top of what is essentially a very white base. Yeah. Well,
1: well played, ma'am. Well oh, thank played. You. <laughs> thank you. That was the theme metaphor that I was playing with there. <laughs> it's
0: brilliant. And it must have been really fun. I mean, your, your Pinterest board for, for wedding dresses must be absolutely fabulous, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know what I was looking when I was um, rewriting the book, I was looking for, I was like, does anyone do like Afro-Asian wedding styles and stuff? And so I was searching on the internet and even searching on Pinterest and I found one that does it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've seen someone is doing what's in my head. And so that was like, so, so great. Like I like make stuff up and I'm like, does anyone do this? And like, I'll find this like little niche out here in the corner and they do it. And then I'm like, oh, this is my element. I just go with it.
0: So. Oh, that's brilliant. So if you ever decide that you're going to renew your vows with your husband, you have the dress all set.
1: Yes. Yes. Set. <laughs> yes.
0: In a later chapter, this is not a spoiler. I I, I try to be very careful uh, when I do an interview about a book that is coming out, not to spoil it because, you know, you want people to be like, oh, really? I wish to read this now. I try not yeah. to spoil. In mm-hmm. a later chapter, Derek says, do what makes you happy do what makes you whole, do what gives you peace, which is a beautiful piece of advice. Where did that come from?
1: Oh, that's, so, that's such a deep cu- question because I could get like really like esoteric and woo-woo on you. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it came from that meeting of uh, when a writer is just pounding away at the computer and then that zip of inspiration comes from, you know, wherever your spiritual, you know, Background comes from. So, like the universe, mm-hmm. God, the goddess. For me, writing is like a spiritual process and a spiritual act. Like, I don't take things lightly. Like, when I see like coincidences happen, it's like kind of like nudges saying, you know, you are on the right path of where you're going with this story. Yep. And so, for me, with that piece of advice, do what makes you happy, do what makes you whole, do what make, gives you peace. It was basically me telling myself that (laughs) because, like I said, my journey as a writer um, has been so such a tumbly journey in the past 10, 10, 10 years or so. And so I, I was always trying like my own inner struggle was always trying to say, you know, should I should I write these white characters that I know, like fill up the bookshelves when I go there? Like we see this is what we see. So this is what sells. So should I do this and just put my own natural talent in it? or, you know, my own writer's craft skill, but just have the characters be white? Um, or should I fully embrace, you know, my my ethnic identity, my ancestral heritage, um, and even the struggles and things that I go through? Um, and should I put that into my writing? And how will that be received? You know, will people think it's weird? You know, will people question it? And so I've always struggled with those types of things. Um, I think it's probably because of also how I grew up. I grew up In a very uh, religious household where you have to follow rules and all that, so um, even today, I I still struggle with people pleasing versus just coming into my own, and so that's where that piece of advice comes from. And I think it's a great piece of advice for anyone, but especially for me, the woo woo universe is where it came from. (laughs) Sorry,
0: I understand. I understand. I mean, sometimes the patterns, like much like in sewing or design, when you Mm -hmm. see the pattern and you recognize the pattern, it's like, oh okay, I'm, I'm doing what I need to be doing right now. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's happy and whole and peace are a little bit different. And it's, it's very difficult. Like you said, to be confronted with here is what should be making you happy. Here's what should make you whole. And
1: then mm-hmm. you realize
0: that what you want is something different.
1: Yeah. 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 Something totally different and risky for me. Totally risky too, because nothing's guaranteed.
0: I will be right back with more of my conversation with Press Lisa Williams. But first, again, I feel like I have arrived as a podcaster because I get to say that this episode is brought to you by stamps.com. If you are like me as a small business owner, you probably mail things. For me, I mail out stickers, books, prizes from giveaways, swag, and boy, Wow, does Stamps.com make that whole process easier? And I know some of you listening are authors, possibly you have an Etsy store, maybe you mail things. Listen to this. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. It is a must-have for any business, whether you are an author mailing books and promo items all the time, or you've got a thriving online store, which is awesome, and you're shipping out orders. Heck yeah, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Over 1 million businesses choose Stamps.com for their mailing and their shipping. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7, any letter, any package, any class of mail, Oh oh, anywhere you want to send. And once your mail is ready, you can schedule a pickup, drop it off. It's that simple. Plus, with Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. And you don't have to put on shoes and leave the house. It's my favorite part. So stop wasting time going to the post office. Go to Stamps.com instead. There is no risk. And with my promo code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. There is no long-term commitment or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, that's Stamps.com, promo code Sarah, Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. And now back to my conversation with Press Williams. That actually brings up something I noticed. Um, I don't usually get to look at an IMDb page for people no. I'm interviewing. It's, that's a new one. It's very cool. Um, yes. And on your IMDb page, there is a quote mm. from you. Trying mm. and doing are two different things. Both involve action, but the former reflects Faithless action and the latter doing reflects
1: faith-filled action. Mm-hmm. Now, do you remember this quote? I do. Okay, so vaguely remember it. There was a time when I was making this transition into writing own voices stories, where I started writing lots of um, inspirational stuff on social media, and so basically, it was me also talking to myself. <laughs> like nope, everything I, I do. That. do. Yeah, I'm just talking to myself while I do this. So that's one of the things that I wrote. And so I was just telling myself, do this. Do this thing that you haven't seen done a lot before. Mm-hmm. You know, do this embracing your Asian and African-American heritage in your art. Do this thing. And don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about how it will be received. Do it if it, like like what Derek said to, to Maya, do it if it makes you happy whole And gives you peace. Yeah,
0: and it's it's a really good point too because doing something means that you have faith that it will be done. Trying yeah. something means that you are just you know working and with the with the hope that it might. With doing, yeah. you're like, no, there's going to be a done.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I was talking to my husband about that because he he was saying um, when we we're thinking about you know the book coming out, the, the Low Country Bride coming out. He's like, I'm so excited for you because um, you did it. You did it yeah. and I was like I did it yeah you know it's so weird because like as a writer like I'm I like went through it like I sat there with the two first line in 2010 and I was working through you know the manuscript and what the is about and what I'm about in the process so I went through that whole 10 years of stuff so by the time you get to like 2021 and you're like oh the book's coming out soon I kind of feel like I've been through like 10 marathons already so I'm like oh yeah yeah yeah, celebrate but my husband's like you did it and I'm like yeah I did but I'm like exhausted (laughs) and tired (laughs) and I'm like yeah I did it it was such hard work it was a lot of inner work um, as well as just the writing craft and, and all of that. So.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, if I look back at where I was 10 years ago and what <laughs> my writing was like 10 years ago and I can, I can actually go and look at it and be like, Oh, well, that's, that's changed a little bit. Um, there's a lot that goes into writing something and working on something for 10 years. Uh, but do not worry. Book release is actually exhausting. It's normal to be this exhausted okay. when you want to be super excited, but book release is completely exhausting. And
1: you yeah. you'll get to a point
0: where you're like, I can't talk about my book anymore. I just can't talk about it anymore. Just here, here, book, <laughs> book, book out, read, book now. Yeah, read. Thank you. What would you say to yourself 10 years ago if you could go talk to yourself from 10 years ago when you're just starting this book? What would you say to yourself now?
1: <sighs> I myself what the journey is gonna look like. I would say it's not gonna happen the way you want it to happen mm-hmm. like as you envision it happening today. it's not gonna happen as fast and quickly as you think it's gonna happen. Your writing isn't all there yet. <laughs> I'll say that your writing isn't all there yet. I would say you aren't all there yet but I'll, and it's going to be hard. You're going to have sleepless nights. You're going to have times when you break down and cry. You're going to be heartbroken. You're going to feel rejected and dejected on this, on this path that you're going on. Ooh, that's making me a little teary eyed. Um, but keep going yeah. because there's something in you that no one, No one can take it away.
0: I'm sorry, I made you cry.
1: No, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) And that special something about you was given to you even before you were born. And if you hold on to that truth about yourself, that's what's going to take you to where where you dream of being. That's going to take you to that place. And once you get to that place, it's going to be bigger and better and more beautiful than what you can even imagine today. But it's going to be hard. So just brace yourself for that journey. But hold on to who you are. Don't let it go. Don't compromise it for anyone.
0: That is a really hard message to give to your past self, too. Like, listen, Mm -hmm. hold on. It's going to be really tough. But you're going to get there. It's just not going to be the route you expected to have. Yeah. But when, I mean, have you been able to hold the book? Have you been able to see it?
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this is what happened. We were doing the cut. Co- we were going back and forth on the cover and all of that and the title. And I'm, like, talking to you now, Terry. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, oh, oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Um, so we're going back forth on the cover and the title. And that was, like, around, like, fall of 2020 and, like, November, and then I know, like, publishing dies down. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's and stuff. So I was like, okay, we did that, and pretty sure I probably will get the arcs probably in February of 2020. That's when I imagine, like, late January, early February. So then I um, hear the doorbell ring, and it's the mail person. And then I open the door, and I see this box on the front step, and I'm like, whoa, what is that? And then I see like Harper Collins, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> And I like shout, like I scream, like I like scream. I'm like in my like mom jeans, sweatshirt, <laughs> you know, just like walking around, like telling my kids, go do your work. And I'm like, oh God, I got to get to the door. And I just like scream so loudly. It was like everything that you like, I don't know if you've ever held on to, like you've hoped for something for so long. Yep. And then it was like shock, disbelief. Like, I knew this was going to happen because we've been working on this book for like a year with editing and then, you know, everything. But like, just, it was just shock. And it made me think about, and this may be an interesting correlation, but it made me think about like, maybe some of the things that my ancestors may have felt, especially, for example, like my enslaved um, African ancestors, who I don't know by name, like i said get a little woo woo for you <laughs> but it was like a melting of like my ancestral ancestors hopes with my own and then they just came boom together in this moment and it was just like weird and then i of course i had to go post about it on facebook well, cuz everything has to happen on social media <laughs> and so <laughs> and so yeah that's basically what it was like it was it was not only my dreams coming true but it was my ancestors dreams coming through through me that what made it such a moment for me and the idea
0: that that's your name on the cover and it is a Mm -hmm. three-dimensional object that came out of your imagination that is now outside of you it was really something isn't it
1: yeah you like yeah that's what I love about art and the artistic process especially being a writer like you just hold the stories in your, in your brain, these people and you're struggling and revising and you make bad drafts, bad scenes, clunky sentences. You don't know where you're going with this scene, but you're just writing, writing, writing. Like I was doing this morning. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you just keep at it, like, like that advice I would have given myself 10 years ago, if you just keep at it, um, it becomes something beautiful and it becomes something that's you and it can't be duplicated. Like I was like that advice I would give to my past self, like you have something in you. We all have something in us that that if we hold on to it, cannot be duplicated. And now it's there. It's going to be there in the world. Yeah. So it will transcend even our own natural lives. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about art and being an artist. I want to
0: ask you about being a child actor, too that's a, mm-hmm. a whole other form of art. And it is also yeah. like with writing, creation of a character and development of a character and creating a character who is real uh-huh. while you're you know, also pretending. Um, yeah. I imagine a lot of people ask you about this. And I have to start by asking, what is it like to see your younger self in GIF sets all over the internet from the mystery <laughs> files of Shelby Woo? Like, is it weird to see yourself in
1: a GIF? Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> yeah, it is totally weird. Okay, yeah, it's totally weird. Um, see, I didn't even know that I was a GIF until like last summer. <laughs> yeah. Last summer, I was on Twitter and I forgot what we were talking about because I always just jump into conversations on Twitter with That's people. That's how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what happened. I was on somebody's Twitter page and for some reason we were like, put your, who, if you are a GIF right now, who would you be? So people were posting their gifts. And then I was like, well, let me just play around and put my name in there. Yeah. And I'll see who I am. And then I was like, Oh, wow. (laughs) There I am from the mystery files of Shelby Woo and these scenes and these making these faces. I'm a gift. That is like the weirdest thing. (laughs) It's so weird. People are like, Oh my gosh, you're on television. Oh my gosh, you're like a published author. They have this like, you know, Oh, you're you're just like amazing, right? Yes. And
0: you've made but, it. The minute you've published a book or been on TV, you're, you're set. You're done. You made it. Yeah.
1: Achieve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you made it, right? Yeah. But I don't know, like for me living in my body and experiencing it, <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's like a series of like hard work, lucky breaks, disappointments, crying bouts like you just saw Sarah here on the podcast (laughs) mess ups mistakes regrets hope happiness and then I'm just like a mom like and my kids are like I'm hungry yep um oh I gotta like pay the bills I gotta do laundry it's like a mix of like all of that it's not I don't know how it is for like big big movie stars or big celebrities but for me it's just like a it's just life. Yep. Like, it's never like something that I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was in that. Yep. I'm always like shocked in the maze because it takes, it's just a lot. I don't know, even know lot. if I'm explaining myself right. I hope. <laughs> no, it makes total sense.
0: I totally understand. Now, the show went off the air a while ago. Yes, and- yes. It went
1: off the air in... Um, I think in like 97, 98 ish. Mm -hmm. And that was an interesting period for me because at the time I was in college, I just started going to Columbia university in New York city. And I, um, had to find my way after that. Um, as a person, I was like in my 1920 and so I had to like find my way and who I was. And so, um, that was another period of like, you know, trying to sort myself out, you know, after, after being a TV star, you know, what do you do? Do you continue auditioning, you know, on all of this? So, yeah.
0: And it's a big transition from being a child actor to an actor.
1: Yeah, that is another big transition. Yeah, yeah because um, when you're a child actor, um, you're given like a lot of like grace, you know, oh, he's so cute, and, you know, you're so talented and blah, blah, blah when you're an adult actor, things become a little bit more serious. <laughs> and, you know, there's always like the business side of it, um, even as an, a child actor, but I wasn't really, you know, much surprised or, or thinking about that so much. But, you know, when you when you grow up and you become an actor, as an adult, you just step into like a whole different arena of being because, you know, I no longer have my mother there taking me on auditions and saying, Oh, you did great. Or, you know, I'm no longer given that smile or thumbs up, like, oh, this is great, a pat on the back. I have to, like, stand on my own.
0: Yeah. And you have to do that for yourself, which is hard. It's very yeah. hard. Yeah. The Mystery Files of Shelby Woo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can we just talk about how that show is so perfect for a comeback right now? Yeah. It's, it's a combination yeah. of so many things that are hot right now. It would be such mm-hmm. a great show. So when's that going to happen?
1: Oh. <laughs> You're in charge, right? I'm oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in charge. Um, when is that going to happen? I have n- I would love for it to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, I would love for it to happen. When is it going to happen? I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because I um, am friends on Facebook with, like, the executive, the creator of the show, and um, some of the past directors of the show. Speaking so maybe fun. I'll... <laughs> Maybe I'll go and send Alan a message and say, "Hey, we were talking about the show, and they think it'll be a comeback. There should be a comeback. What do you think, Alan?" So- yeah. yeah, Alan.
0: Hi, you don't know me. Yeah, but we have a yeah. Call me. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any favorite memories from filming and creating the show?
1: Oh my goodness, so many favorite memories. One thing that I can take away from my memories on that show is I spent like maybe sixty percent, fifty percent of my time on set laughing. In oh. laughter and enjoy. And that is because many of the actors around me were comedians. They're trained comedians. But the comedy just like Adam Bush, um Steve Pernick, j- they're just comedians. They're they're not only actors or comedians. And Pat, the late Pat Morita, also comedian. Most of the time I just spent on set laughing at the things and the jokes that they would just be making when we weren't filming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, most that, that was my biggest memory. Um, just being in laughter and joy. You know, now the, the today's climate, it feels so tense. And I always have to like make, remember, and I don't do it as often as I would like, but I always have to remind myself to to find joy and laughter in, in the everyday moments. But that's one of the best memories that I take away from from my time on that show. Also, I met some famous people um TLC I met Shaquille O'Neal of course I met the late Pat Morita um Kenan and Kel For you know he's on Saturday Night Live He, uh, he was on Saturday Night Live so those are the ones that I that I can remember off the top of my head because there was a famous there was a show at the same time filming all that um it was like a, a sketch comedy show mm-hmm. and they always had like famous r&b and music artists who come in and they would be going through the the hallways and dressing rooms and stuff so i met a lot of people that way
0: that's amazing yeah, you must be it really fun to sit with at a dinner party
1: yeah me <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. oh yeah i have like so many stories Oh, yeah. I have the most interesting life. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: <laughs> you also told me that you are passionate about paper planners. What planner do you use? And has how has using a paper planner sort of affected how you create your future with, with doing, not trying?
1: Ooh, good question. Okay. So I started pa- using paper planners when I was in high school. And I would just use a regular at-a-glance planner. Yep. Um, And I was just mostly to record my school assignments and things like that. And um, so what paper planner do I use now? I got into um, planner groups on Facebook with other writers and my planner um, addiction just exploded. Those are dangerous groups. They're
0: really dangerous.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they are so dangerous. They enable me a lot to buy stuff. And so I have right now, I have multiple planners in my house. I have a plum plate paper planner. Mm -hmm. I have a day designer. I have a Franklin Covey planner. I have a full focus planner. So that's like four different planners. And the thing is that when you use, when you start to get using like multiple different planners, I, it's hard to be honest, it's hard for me to keep up with it right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm like in this Marie Kondoing my life mode right now. I don't know why, but like as in preparation for the book releasing, I'm feeling like I have to shed a whole lot of stuff. And like, so I'm like decluttering and all this stuff. So I'm simplifying. So now what I do is I use, I just use one planner and it's the Franklin Covey classic planner ring bound every December, I spend some time in introspection, um, thinking about the the next year.
0: I do too. And,
1: yeah. yeah. And so I, I write down or I, I review the past year, you know, good things and bad things, uh, positives and negatives. And then I um, write goals for the year. And I also create a vision board. My vision board, I have a big overarching life vision board and then I have like an annual vision board. Mm-hmm. I started cr- making my annual vision boards um, like in 2014 and they helped me just to set the mood for the upcoming year. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I look at those boards regularly, but usually they're just like up there. Like, for example, I had a vision board for the cover of A Low Country Bride that I had created. I put it on my vision board in like 2015-ish. And the cover that you see today is very similar to what was on my vision board. Wow. So using a paper planner, I would take like my goals that I set for the year or like things that are in my, you know, my vision board for like my life. And I would just kind of, you know, say, what is that one small thing that I could do today to move me a little bit closer to, to getting to that big vision that I have on my wall or whatever. So, so yeah, that's what having a paper planner, um, how it affects how I create my future. I also like write like lots of like affirmations a couple times a week, like every morning I do that just to like creating like circuits in my brain. Like I'm telling myself, Mm -hmm. this is what you have to again, I'm getting woo woo on you. <laughs> no, it's actually totally science. You're creating okay. new synaptic pathways. This is
0: the thing that I'm going to focus on. This is yeah, my this pattern is, for success. Yeah, it's yeah, this totally is what I'm going not to focus on.
1: Okay, woo-woo. let me tell you. I got into that. The reason why I got into that, and so why I'm so passionate about it about like writing affirmations, creating vision boards, making plans is because I grew up in. Uh, I grew up in poverty in a lot of ways. My parents were, were wonderful in providing for me and providing the best for me. But like I grew, where I grew up as a child, um, people were um, impoverished, just struggling. And so me as a child, I'd be sitting on the front porch of my stoop, like watching. And I'm, I always told myself, I have to get out of here. I have to find a way out of here because I want to be an actor one day. You know, I love to read. Maybe one day I could write books, but I need to get out of here. And like I was telling you um, with the systemic racism, there's all these like structural pressures that want to keep black and brown people contained. And so what I, did. And what I've learned over the course of years is that I have to use paper planners and goals and vision boards and all that to kind of rewrite the script on my life. So again, I became a life coach. (laughs) (laughs) Look,
0: if you're coaching your own life and you're pleased with what you've achieved, I'd say you're doing a great job. So keep coaching. Thank you. (laughs) What are you working on right now? In addition to the complete overwhelming exhaustion of book release time.
1: (laughs) Um, What I'm working on right now is I'm working on another story set in the low country. Um, I don't want to give too much away. No worries. Because it's a, like it's formation stage and early draft stage. But yes, that's what I, I'm doing now. I'm, I'm working on a love story set in the low country. I love the occupations that I've chosen for my people, for my main characters this time, because um, they're very eccentric. Oh, and um, nice. that's what I'm working on.
0: I do love some competence porn one of my favorite things to read when characters are really competent at the thing that they do even if the thing that they do is something I have never heard of like that's what I learned about Maya (laughs) she she knew how to design and how to sew and had she talked about color theory it wasn't just like oh I like this color it's this color has an effect on people I yeah I love competence yes (laughs) me too so what books are you reading that you want to tell people about
1: Hmm, what books am I reading that I want to tell people about? I um, just started um, reading or listening to the audiobook of Passing by Nella Larson, which is an older book set, um, was written during the Harlem Renaissance. Um, It's about a Black woman who passes for white and all of the constraints and struggles um, that come with that. Um, I just got... I just started some very early stages of reading Tiff Marcello's um, In a Book Club Far Away. Um, So I'm really excited about this book. And I read multiple books at the same time. So I understand completely. Sometimes (laughs) a buffet
0: is the best way to go.
1: And I just started diving in this. This was released last year, but I just started diving into Jill Chavez's The Summer Deal. And I have to say, I love her voice. It's so snappy um, and sharp. And I love the dialogue. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm really loving this too. So that's what I'm currently on my TBR list or what I'm reading and like perusing right now. So awesome.
0: And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you to Press Lacey Williams for hanging out with me. I'm sorry I made you cry. And if you are thinking, I want to check out these gifts and I want to see the show that she was on, I will have links to all of her books, all of the books she mentioned, and the DVD and places to find the mystery files of Shelby Wu. Totally due for a reboot. It would be amazing. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can always email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or sarah, S A R E H at smartbitchestrashybooks.com. I do love hearing from you if you have ideas or feedback or suggestions or just want to tell me what you're doing while you're listening. Y'all are really interesting people who do cool things like dye yarn and clean and do yard work. I do a lot of yard work and quilting while I listen to podcasts. It's kind of cool to know you do that while you're listening to me. Thank you, by the way, for listening to me. I end every episode with a terrible joke. This week's joke comes from Emily Jane. Thank you, Emily Jane. It's getting to be summer, which means seafood for some people. So here's a almost summer joke, courtesy of Emily Jane. What do you call an annoyed lobster? What do you call an annoyed lobster? A frustration. (laughs) I mean, I, it's so silly. I love it. <laughs> On behalf of everyone here who makes me laugh. Thank you, Emily Jane. We wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend and we will be back next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media podcasts.